choices. We all have choices that we make along life. Choices have consequences, and sometimes those consequences are much more much more of a rich blessing than we may have realized, or sometimes a deeper despair to us than we may have realized. But we, as we make choices, if we decide we're going to come to Jesus, are we really going to be willing to follow him? Talk about love lifted me. Are we going to give heed to his will? Are we going to be reminded, as we need to be reminded from time to time, of what he's done for us and what it is that he desires from us? And realize the sacrifice that, as we may see it, that we give for him pales in comparison to the blessings that he has to give to us. Oftentimes, human beings are always concerned about time frames. Uh, Human beings have always seemed like in... uh, since the Christian year, how long is this Christian year going to last? When is it going to come to end and what's involved? And But more important than that is how we're going to live each day as that draws by. We read over in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Maybe uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, in our gathering together to him, we ask you, do not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Just be assured we have those even connected with the brotherhood who believe that that day of Christ has already come. I'm not sure what they are expecting, what they are thinking is going to happen when he came back again, but they are thinking that he has come. And that's a sad commentary because they're not doing what the Bible says to do in the first place. Listen to what he has to say. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless there's a falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed in the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know that it is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth, destroy with the brightness of his coming. And the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. With all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that they may 
that they should believe a lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That there in verse 10, that they would not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. We live in a world where we constantly have to remind ourselves of maintaining that love of the truth. That desire of wanting to know what it is that God would have us to do. The willingness to want to make the change in our life so that we could do the things that would be pleasing to God and to believe that He knows the heart. And he knows the mind. He knows what we're thinking. And it is to be our desire not to get caught up in false illusions that come along the way. Not to get caught up in the sounding of plausible solutions or possibilities. We hear a lot about, again, in our society about the need to watch over God's people. Only they have reference to the Jews. And the protecting of the holy nation, only they have reference to Israel. And that they do not think of who God's people are. And that we ought to work together to glorify God get information in the mail all the time about Jews and Christians need to understand our common grounds and we need to work together. They have not read the scriptures. Years ago, I was working with a, a Jew who was converted to Christianity and we used to spend a lot of time together discussing what he could do because of his Jewish heritage and what was not required of him because of his Jewish heritage any longer. And it was a struggle. We have our traditions, we have our customs as Americans, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating them as long as we're not binding them on another as this is what God has commanded us to do keeping of some holidays and so forth. And it was a struggle to understand an end. And the scriptures spend a great deal of time reminding us of this end of one era and the beginning of a new era. And then in preparation for a future time or timelessness that will come along the way. There's a song that we have in the book, number 865. It's called, I'm Coming, Lord. And we need to think about some things it's asking of us. The words of the song in the first verse is, I hear thy welcome voice that calls me, Lord, to thee, for cleansing in thy blood that flowed on Calvary. And it is to remind us again, one, that God calls us, through the gospel. Paul, in writing to the Thessalonians in the second chapter, and in verse 14, 
Verse 13 says, We are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Brethren, beloved by the, by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by our epistle. We've been called by the gospel, by the good news of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of all the prophecies of old in the Old Testament. Everything that the prophets talked about was going to be fulfilled in Christ. He would bring about this new age. Then why would we want to go back under it? And for those of us that were not under that old law, which would be all of us, why would we want to encourage others to go back that way? And why would we want to go back under a law of sin and condemnation that we left when we became children of God? We're looking at that a little bit in uh, detail, if you will, on Sunday morning on our study in Ephesians. If you're in Christ, there's a lifestyle that is expected of you. It's required of you if you're going to be a child of the living God. There are some things that you absolutely cannot participate in or engage in, and there's language that you cannot use if you are faithful to the cause of Christ. If you're going to be his child, you have to leave the old world behind. If you're going to be a child of God, you have to leave the old way of thinking behind. And that we look to God through his word for the guidance, for the direction that we need to go in, for the attitudes that we need to have. We're given Jesus as our, as our example to follow in our steps. And as easy as it is to say that, it's harder to live that, if you will. All you have to do is to take time to read the Gospels. Read what Jesus went through as he walked on the face of this earth, preaching God's message that his Father has sent him to preach, to give his life as that sacrifice that was expected of him for the redemption of mankind. Look how he was received by his own people. He came to his own, John tells us, and his own received him not. They rejected him. And they chose rather to follow the traditions of men than to follow the commandments of God. And we live in a world that is full of that. We live in a world that would much rather follow their traditions if they're honest with you at times, and sometimes they will be, oftentimes they do not know the difference, but if they're honest with you, they will tell you. This is just our tradition. It's not what we find in the pages of God's Word. This is just the way this religious group does their, their whatever it is that they do. No scripture behind it. And they rather follow that then follow the truth of God's word. And if we're not careful, 
the danger is as real to us as it is for them. Again, for those that have been a Christian for a good number of years, there are things going on in the brotherhood today that we would not have believed would even been possible 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, whatever it is, time frame. The blatant departure from the Word of God, no qualms about it, no regrets for the decision that they made, no consideration for the destiny that is for those who will live in rebellion to God in that final day. Deluded, deceived, and believing that again man can make the choice of how he's going to serve God. They've been trying that from the beginning of time. And there's always consequences that are involved. But so many times we are caught up with the first lie that Satan gave to Adam and Eve, to Eve particularly, then to Adam. You shall not die. You're not going to die spiritually or physically. It's not going to happen. God will not let that take place. So go ahead. And from then... As you look at her perception of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, pleasant to the eyes, good for the flesh, desire to make one wise. The three areas of temptation that Satan used then, used on Jesus in Matthew 4, 1 through 10, ones he uses on us out of 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Same temptation, areas of temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. But it's all based on that concept. If you do all of those things, do not worry about it. You're not going to die. And that's what you hear people say. God is not going to condemn me for doing just one bad thing. That's not going to be it at all. I'm free to do what I want. I'm free to go where I want to go, free to say what I want to say without consideration. Jesus says, watch the words of your mouth. They come from your heart. What you say and how you say it is a reflection of what's in your heart. So it's easy to tell. Listen to a person speak. What's in their heart? Are they wanting to do God's will? Oh, it's, we've got time. One of Satan's great tools that he uses. I know I need to. How many of you have said that? I know I need to do this, but the time's not right right now. Oftentimes, if we're not careful... Some of us may have done part of that through our life, and we're not careful. We've lived our life with, I know I should, but the time's not right. And before you know it, you've reached the end of your life, and you haven't done what's right. But I know I should. The danger. The danger is real. And as Paul is writing, we need to see, do we welcome his voice that calls he calls for the cleansing in his precious blood that flowed from Calvary. Go back and read again what Jesus did. He left us that example. Easy? Read Matthew 26. Father, it be thy will. Find another way. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. 
The strength came from the Father, as it does for us. Strength came from Jesus and his determination to do the will of the Father. His strength helps us. The strength comes from the Holy Spirit that gives us the Word of God, and that helps us as it helped him as well. Easy? One way, maybe not. But in another way, maybe yes. The life I'm asked to live as a child of God, I'm not asked to live by my own device, by my own strength, by my own wit. I'm asked to live this life in Christ with the help of God through the word that he's given to me. If I pray, he answers my prayers. I'm just wanting the prayers answered in a way I would like them to be answered. But are we, answering, are we asking the prayer in the same way that Jesus asked the prayer to his Father? If it be your will, may this cup pass from me. But, nevertheless, your will be done. Whatever it is, wherever he leads. We sing the song, wherever he leads, I will follow. We need to listen to what we sing at times. We teach and we admonish one another in our psalms and our hymns and our spiritual psalms. We're teaching each other. We're admonishing one another. Where he leads, I will follow. Do we honestly believe that? Will we honestly follow with a delight? Go back and look at your life before being a Christian. Is there not a delight in being of knowing that you have forgiveness of all those sins that are washed away and remembered no more? I've known Christians who still regret what they did, find themselves, find it hard to forgive themselves. Because many of those decisions that we made years ago before becoming Christians, you know, they didn't only affect me. They affected my loved ones. They affected my family. And some of them are already in that eternal consequence. That breaks the heart. But the joy is knowing that God has forgiven those sins as they were repented of. God has forgiven them. They're washed away and remembered by God no more. And there's nothing I can do that makes atonement for what I did in the past. It does, it's not able, you're not able to do that. There is no more sacrifice, the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 10, 17, and 18. The sins and iniquity I will remember no more, says the Lord. But once a sacrifice has been made, there is not another sacrifice to be offered. The only sacrifice that is made for the atonement of our sins is the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the sacrifice. Ours is accepting what he has done and allowing that blood to be applied to our lives so that we can be the children of God and have that forgiveness granted unto us and, have, and not remember those things. Yes, learn from them. Yes, learn lessons. But not to allow Satan to drag you down because of those. Reflect on what he's given to us. He's called us by the sacrifice of Christ for our sins. Chief among those blessings is the remission of the sins through the blood that he shed. How often do we forget that? There's blessings in being in Christ. 
Yes, there's difficulties. Early Christians faced difficulties. God's people have faced difficulties in life. The physical life now is not meant to be eternal. There are going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. But they're only temporary. Scriptures talk about that in so many different ways. It's only temporary. They're going to fade away. Paul says, I forget the things that lie behind and I press on for the things that lie ahead. I press on towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We move forward. It's been said at times, we oftentimes live in times that are not ours. We live in the past. And that is not our time. We cannot live in the past. There's no way we can undo the past. And the other time is that we try to live in the future. How many worry about what's going to happen in the future? You know, this could happen in the future. This could happen in the future. We worry about what else could happen in the future. We do not live in the future. The only time that we have is the present. And that present is a gift from God. That's all the time we need. No regrets, no anticipations, and no worries for what lies ahead. We live for today. And we serve God where we are with what we have. We learn and we grow, and that's the beauty of it. And he's there each step that we take. I'm coming, Lord. Are we coming to him to be willing to do his word and his will? The second stanza of that song says, Though coming weak and vile, thou dost my strength assured. Thou dost not my vileness fully cleanse. Thou does my violence fully cleanse till spotless all and pure. We come weak and God strengthens. Is that not a blessing? And is that not a reason to want to come to Christ? Is that not a reason for us to remember why we came to Christ? And is that not a reason why we need to remember that's why we want to stay in Christ? And not allow the temptations and the trials and the allurement of the world to lead us away. Not to get caught up in all the false speculations that are out there. And all the false teaching that is out there. They were there in the days of Jesus. They've been there ever since then. They've been always been the date setters. Go back a couple of years, a many, you know, I'll go back about 20 years. Remember all the uproar that was going on 20 years ago? 1999. And what was going to happen when the clock struck 12 and for the, the year 2000? All the computers were going to be destroyed and go out of business and all the elevators were going to fall and the planes would come out of the sky. I mean, there was almost mass chaos. Worrying about what was going to happen when that took place. And what happened? Nothing. Time went on. They're going to be the date setters, the speculators, the trying to prey on you. God gave his assurance. His assurance is there that he said, I will never leave you. Nor will I ever forsake you, says the Lord, in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. 
If the Lord be with us, who can be against us? Who, what can man do to us if God is with us? How many times do we need to hear that? If God is with us, if he's watching over us, if he's directing and guiding us in ways that we do not know, what do we have to fear? We walk in the, in the arms of, of Jesus. We walk step in his steps. What do we have to fear? He's there with us. So whatever it is I face, I know that we can deal with it. But we get so many times, like the person who was praying as he woke up in the morning, Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank all that you watched over me, protected me, guided me so far. I'm grateful that you haven't allowed me to use any bad language and that I've been kind and so forth. And now, Lord, it's time for me to get out of the bed and go to work. Do we forget each step we take? We take the step of the Savior. I'm not, I'm not in it alone. You're not in it alone. You have the help. And if you look at it, one is just look at the world around you. One is look through the scriptures. Is there any other life that you would rather live than the life of a child of the living God, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, guided by the word of God, with the goal of having an eternal home with God in heaven? Is there any other life that is worth living? Everything that the world has is described in, by Solomon in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. There's nothing beyond this life, but there is. We need to remind ourselves who we are. We need to remind ourselves why we are who we are. We need to remind ourselves of what we hope for as a result of our being who we are. And then we ought to enjoy the life that we've been given. The fellowship that is ours with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The sharing of that hope of good news of salvation. Encouraging others to want to share with that as well. Live in such a way so that indeed one day heaven is home. The invitation songs we are to come just as we are. One of those things that the beauty that we have is that God will accept us just as we are. But the other fact is, is that once he accepts us just as we are, we cannot remain just as we were. We have to change. But God is there to help us do that. There's always hope for the child. Of, there's, always a hope, there's always hope for any human being. If they hear, if they believe, willing to confess, Repent of sins, obey him in baptism for the remission of those sins, be raised to walk that new life. There's hope for the child of God who's gone astray. There's hope for the child of God who's let the world begin to creep back in and to tug. Hope for the child of God who's let the, the thinking of the world begin to have an influence in your life or the language of the world. The Father says, come home. Just as you are, come home. He will restore and create anew. If you stand in need of that gospel invitation, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.